Welcome into A to Z Sports powered by BetMGM. I'm Austin Stanley. He is Charlie Burris uh, in for Zach Bingham. Make sure you follow us all over social media. We're Nashville's on-demand sports talk network. We go live every weekday morning at 8 central time on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. Again, hopefully soon Twitter. But got to thank our sponsors because they make everything happen for our show and they help out you guys. Renters Warehouse Nashville, the professional landlords in the Nashville area. Simply go to renterswarehouse.com to find out how much your home can rent for. Mandu, the pulse of fitness where one 15-minute workout equals five-plus hours in the weight room, mandu.com. Your first workout is free. Uh, Wilson County Hyundai, make them a part of your car buying a process by seeing them in Lebanon or going to wilsoncountyhyundai.com. And the Bone & Joint Institute, boneandjointtn.org, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care. So, Charlie, uh, you host our Big Orange podcast. You host our Vols Halftime and Post Game Show. Uh, you're a former full-time radio guy and media guy there in Knoxville, but – uh, now just dabbling in it and, and being more of a fan. So as the fan, Charlie Burris, when you saw the Oklahoma job come open and Lincoln Riley going to USC, how long did it take you for your mind to get to, oh no, is Josh Heupel going to Lane Kiffin this thing? Well, I was thinking about it before Lincoln Riley ever left because uh, Tennessee fans, of course, we're all fadeless. At this point, we're all, we've been beaten over the head so badly that we think that anything and everything will go wrong. And most of the time we're right about that. Uh, but I would say, you know, saw that news and the very first thing of a millisecond after seeing it was, Oh boy, here we go. And this is uh, the beginning of the end. Thank you, Josh Heupel for the fun year. It was good. We, we had a good run, but it's over now. And I got to come to peace with that. That was my initial thought. Uh, and then I, I texted actually Zach Reagan, my the, the co-host of the Big Orange podcast, and I said, well, Heupel's gone. <laughs> and some, <laughs> something to the effect of that. Uh, and then Zach, of course, he replied back and said, oh, crap, here we go. Uh, and it, it just is this is it's ingrained in us at this point. Right. We're Tennessee fans. We're a damaged set of folks. We can't help it. Um, but Heupel, he, he had some words of comfort. That's nice uh, you know tennessee fans i we we always take that stuff with a grain of salt because we've even been burned when coaches tell us they're staying so you know uh we've been there and done that on on everything but it's it's hard not to have a reaction like that nearly impossible yeah, honestly totally billy says why would he leave well uh josh heupel uh was a national champion quarterback in oklahoma he was second it was a runner-up in the heisman trophy uh a race there in that year and uh, as Oklahoma's quarterback, he was the offensive coordinator for Oklahoma. He came up through the coaching ranks as a position coach there. And uh, so he had a lot of success there, but he was fired there, right? He was fired by Bob Stoops. Uh, and so Bob Stoops is is still involved in that program because he's the freaking interim coach uh, doing uh, his best Barry Alvarez impression uh, without being the AD. But Bob Stoops being involved makes you feel good if you're a Tennessee fan uh, that Josh Heupel and he haven't talked since Bob Stoops fired him. But then – it all felt a lot better for the Vol faithful when Josh Heupel went on the Eric Ains show yesterday in Knoxville on the Sports Animal. So we'll play you the clip of Eric Ainge asking head coach Josh Heupel about this OU job. What's what's up with the Oklahoma deal, coach? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, you know, as uh, as you build a sex, successful for cro- program uh, with your your staff and players, uh, certainly you know your name has an, an opportunity to come up uh, for different openings. Um, I just you know for myself and my family, we absolutely love Knoxville, and and uh, we came to Tennessee 
because of the power of the T, uh, believed in the power of the fan base and, and the opportunity to build something extremely special. It's a program that's top 10 in the history of college football wins and first round draft picks, um, you know, and, and had been through, you know, some uncertainty in, in recent times. But uh, we love being in Knoxville. Uh, that's home for us. I love being in the building with our staff and our players. And I know uh, feel stronger today than I did 10 months ago when I first took the job about what we're going to be able to do and how quickly we're going to be able to get there. I, I know uh, we're building a, a championship caliber football team and program and um, excited to continue on that, that venture uh, with our current players and staff. Coach, we appreciate everything you're doing. And we know that every time there's an opening in the future, your name, you're going to be like, you'll be like Mike Gundy, but better. Every time there's an opening, everyone's, oh, is he going to go? Is he going to go? So what what I heard you say is you're staying at Tennessee and coaching football, yeah? For this year, uh, for we, now. Yeah, we, we we absolutely love Tennessee and, and uh, believe what we're going to be building here and uh, can't be happier and more excited about what we're going to be able to do uh, next year and in the coming years. Well, that's so much fun. I'm glad you took a few minutes to come on here and talk with us. Cause you, know how, you know how it is. Yeah, you know how it is. Eric Ainge knows exactly how it is as he's been a part of the media there. Now, Ainge is a uh, noted big homer uh, of the Vols, and we used Zach and I used to have Ainge on our radio show weekly uh, back in that day. But, Charlie, how does that make you feel hearing that from Josh Heupel, that he's not going anywhere? He, he believes in the power of the, of the T and believes in the program that they're building just you know, 10 months, 11 months, maybe even into this thing. Admittedly. The first thing that he says there, it's Ainge says, so I, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're staying at Tennessee or whatever Ainge yeah, said. And, yeah. and Heupel does not say yes. He says, "What I, we're happy at Tennessee yeah. or whatever. So that stuck out to me initially. He didn't say <laughs> that he was staying. Yeah. Uh, let's address that first. Um, I don't think that he's going to leave. I, I explained this on, on our Big Orange podcast, actually, just at a little more length than we can probably do here. But uh, my my feeling on the situation was there there is some bad blood between him and Stoops. Supposedly, apparently, they haven't talked since he was fired. It was a messy situation because Stoops really needed to fire his own brother, but instead scapegoated Hypel and sent him out the door back. To, uh, what would, it was twenty fourteen? Uh, I think it was 20, that last yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was at Mizzou in in twenty fifteen sixteen, um, and so. Uh, there's that element, but to me, the even bigger one was this connection uh, with with Danny White, who's obviously a a powerful, persuasive AD that Tennessee hired for a reason. But on top of that, Heupel is Danny White's boy. I mean, they there's I think a sense of loyalty there. I don't think Heupel takes this job if Danny White is not his AD, and probably gives him assurances. Um, and and you just. Look at that situation in the grand scheme of things. He's going to get grace at Tennessee that he will not get at Oklahoma. I mean, at, at Oklahoma right now, you're taking over a powerful program that is actually probably going to have a tough time if if some of these recruits don't come back with the new coach that they're going to get. Uh, they're about to enter the SEC, so things are only going to get tougher. And then if he doesn't live up to those expectations, it can be career suicide, honestly. You, you end up just burning yourself up when you could have stayed at Tennessee and had a sweeter deal with an AD that loves you and, and all of this, all of these other extenuating circumstances that are at Tennessee. So I just think that that uh, the whole situation points towards Heupel staying even before he makes this statement. And to me, even though he didn't say directly, yes, I'm staying at Tennessee. I, I personally do hear 
he's not going anywhere. So that's good. Yeah, and I think it would just, at one, I believe Oklahoma would have to pay Tennessee over $8 million of a buyout um, or, or even more than that uh, if they do want to hire Josh Heupel. And I just don't think Josh Heupel has earned enough to get the Oklahoma job. Like Oklahoma would probably have to strike out swinging for the fences several times before they get down to Josh Heupel. But that's kind of what happened at USC, wasn't it, back in – in, after the 2009 season when USC lost Pete Carroll to the NFL, uh, USC goes for some big names. They finally settle on Lane Kiffin, who was only a one-year head coach in college football at the time after getting fired by the Raiders, and Tennessee lost its mind, and that was a different situation. But I, I don't think I don't think Josh Heupel would do that, and I agree with you. Danny White's hired Josh Heupel twice. I don't think he's going to do Danny White like that. Now, I did see... An interesting uh, comment here from Orlando. Look out for Heupel's name for the Oklahoma job in three to four years before they officially move the SEC, depending on who they hire. Now, that's interesting from Orlando because let's say Josh Heupel over the next three to four years is successful at Tennessee. Let's, I I don't know, I want to put any expectations. We'll actually talk about that here in a second about what we're going to think of Heupel moving forward. But let's say Oklahoma hires uh, Brent Venables, as Jesse says, is the top candidate. Uh, at Oklahoma, let's say they hire Brent Venables, but in three to four years, Brent Venables isn't doing much and Oklahoma's moving on. I think if Heupel's at Tennessee for four or five years and kind of gets to a point where he can't get any higher or he's hitting the wall and then he sees Oklahoma open back up again, that's where I feel like Heupel leaving for his alma mater would be a scary situation if you're Tennessee. I, I completely agree because I, t- I do feel like this this next hire with Oklahoma, just an inkling, I think it's not going to go well, whoever it, it may be. This is just a tough, tough situation because Lincoln Riley just kept a, a steamroller already going. Like he had a ton of momentum. Now things are slowing down. He's sort of he's uh, stealing a bunch of stuff on the way out. He's, he's cutting and running and, you know, filling a bag as he's leaving and going like, I'll take this, I'll take this, I'll take this. Thanks. See you guys later. You know? And, and so he's, it's going to be a tougher situation this time around for this next coach for three, four, five years, however long it takes for that to go South. And, and I think Oklahoma maybe has uh, a, a bit more of an aggressive stance than they're going to have this time. I, I do wonder it because just looking, Brent Venables is like the main name that's come up, or I, it doesn't seem like they're swinging for the fences. I, I would put it that way. Um, where kind of LSU did, USC obviously did. That's kind of becoming a trend now as to just these massive, ungodly contracts that uh, guys are getting. Um, it doesn't seem like they're going that route unless they're working back channels that people don't know about yet, which is totally possible. Uh, but I, I could absolutely see that happening. Uh, but the thing that that is contingent on is Josh Heibel being successful. Yes. So, yes, um, true. you know, that, and that's a tall, tall task. Things are going well so far. I would honestly, strange enough to say it this way, I would love for that to happen because if Oklahoma wants him at that point, that means you're doing good. You're doing good things at Tennessee. Uh, and so if we get five great years with Heupel and maybe reach an SEC championship game, get really into contention, and then Oklahoma wants him because he's that guy. 
Hey, better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all, right? Oh, no, uh, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, it, it really is at, at this point in Tennessee, you gotta just be hoping for something like that. You have to be realistic about the expectations and say, even if this guy is only a five-year guy, let's succeed during those five years. Well, and, and even that too, like the fact that Josh Heupel's name's involved in the Oklahoma job. Uh, after one year is, mm-hmm. is, is like, you're doing something right. Okay. So let's go ahead and get to our next conversation. And we'll ask you guys this question uh, and get you guys more involved this morning here on A to Z sports, Charlie Burris in for Zach Bingham today. So here's the question. What are your expectations for Josh Heupel moving forward after the seven and five season in year one? So what are your expectations for Josh Heupel moving forward after seeing him win seven games in his first regular season at Tennessee. Real quick, let me tell you guys about Mandu, the Pulse of Fitness. One 15-minute workout equals five or more hours in the weight room. Mandu.com, your first workout, is absolutely free. It's full-body electronic muscle stimulation, which means it's not putting any stress or pressure on your joints or on your old injuries. It's all on your muscles and focusing on building muscle mass, building strength, functional strength, and getting you healthier, and mandu.com is where to go. Your first workout is free, and if you tell them A to Z Sports sent you, they'll take 100 bucks off your first month when you sign up. Simply head to mandu.com. Make sure that you also download the BetMGM app. It's the king of sports books, and you got uh, code A-T-O-Z Sports, A to Z Sports, uh, and when you use that code, when you sign up, uh, you after your first deposit, your first bet is risk-free up to $1,000. Again, ATOZ Sports is your code. Uh, download the bet, MGMA, King of Sportsbooks. And true story, here, I was on here a couple of weeks ago doing exactly this. Yeah. I kind of asked you at the end of the show. I was like, I'm not really a sports betting guy. What's I forget exactly the conversation that we had, but I went and I downloaded the BetMGM app. I did not. I was not a dutiful employee at that point. Um, and I, I went and uh, and downloaded it. And I have become a degenerate gambler in the last right, couple of yeah. weeks. So. Welcome, welcome. It's so much fun. Yes, absolutely. Hell yeah. Just remember, I've got that red line number. If you ever want it, I had it memorized. Uh, I, I they- still, it, admittedly, I'm I'm a small time guy. Five, sure. ten bucks. Here, here and there, but it's uh, it's a ton of fun. I like it. It adds, uh, it adds a little spice to games that I wouldn't have uh, have any stake in otherwise. So absolutely, yeah. I uh, I hit an NBA, I hit a I had a split college basketball NBA parlay last night thanks to Brian Edwards who gave me a pick of uh, in the NBA and, and actually a couple picks in the, in college basketball as well. So okay, so Charlie Burris is in for Zach Bingham today. So uh, what are your expectations? for Josh Heupel moving forward after seven wins in year one. Uh, Chris says beat Florida and have eight wins in season two. Um, let's see. Uh, Orlando says get a New Year's six bowl game next year. I think that's uh, – I think you're kind of jumping a couple steps there. I mean, that would be incredible if it happens. And we can talk about the schedule next season uh, as well too. Brent says expectations would be eight and four in year two. Um, Billy says contender for the SEC title and Ethan Ramsey says expectations depend on whatever the incident boy punishment is whenever they finally wrap up that investigation, which don't, you know, hold your breath on that. Uh, Sean says he has to see a solid recruiting class first. This isn't UCF scheme won't win games every week. Uh, Cody says eight and five and taking Florida. 
Uh, Chris, congratulations on hitting all three of your parlays last night. That's a hell of a night if you hit three parlays. And Cody's right. It, it all depends on Hendon Hooker coming back. Eight wins beat Florida. Uh, eight and four from Cody with Hooker. Florida wins seven and five, six and five without Hooker. John says nine, ten wins with the bowl game. So, and John also adds uh, be close against Georgia. Nathaniel, if Hooker comes back and the defense is fortified, eight, nine wins with another cupcake schedule next year. So, Charlie, I'll let you start. Then we'll dive into the schedule a little bit. Uh, so, what are your expectations? Maybe not necessarily for next year only, but just the outlook of Josh Heupel after seeing a seven and five year with a potential bowl game to add to that resume. I, I think with next year specifically, you do have the contingency of hooker coming back. It's that's the entire thing. I mean, a quarterback takes you as far as you are going to go in college football at this point. Quarterbacks can paste over so many flaws with your team if they are playing well. And hooker did that this season. I mean, he just took Milton. He, he could move the offense some, but it just wasn't there. And hooker just came in and took it to a complete other level change the team and, and you really you've exceeded expectations uh, this season. So if he comes back, you get more nice transfers, which it, it looks like Heupel's really uh, trying, trying to do that. You get more uh, good young guys coming in, in this recruiting class and all of those things fall into place. I, that's what I'm assuming. I think you look at the schedule and realistically, the only, I, I don't want to say certain losses because I want you to be competitive in these, obviously, but Georgia and Alabama. So let's just start there. Okay. It, at best, it's going to be 10 wins, but I look at the rest of that schedule and there is 10 potential wins there. I, I thought the same thing. I, I was like, yeah, at, at the high end, right? Like the only, like whenever I, it's in, it's in the summer, it's SEC media days and I'm sitting there, I'm going through the schedule and I have a pencil and I just go through quickly and just go W and L, like just just run through it real quickly based off my gut feeling. And really, I did that already for next year's schedule. And there's only two L's that automatically jump off the page for sure. Because you you look you you're at Pittsburgh uh, playing them again, but without Kenny Pickett, he's he's gonna head to the NFL after the season. <clears throat> and you got to think and Pitt had like eight other like super seniors, or they had a yeah. bunch of they were a senior laden group, and with a really good quarterback. And so you you would come into the Florida game 3-0, and ideally. Florida at home with a new coach. You jump on them in that game. At LSU, really, really tough. No matter who the coach is in what year. Obviously, now it's going to be Brian Kelly and uh, that with a big, big name. Probably going to be a really, really tough game. So uh, I don't want to say a loss is understandable. I, I don't condone any losses. But uh, that's one that could be tough. But otherwise, I mean, Missouri. Kentucky, South Carolina, Vandy, you win all of those. And and so from there, nine wins, I, I think uh, eight at a minimum. You want to continue moving forward. Eight at a minimum, I'm okay with it. But nine wins would be my my expectation next year, assuming that you're going to be much better than Pittsburgh probably, uh, assuming that you can jump on Florida and, and get some wins like that that you didn't get this year. Uh, LSU maybe a toss-up. So that that would be my expectation there. Moving moving forward, it's all coming down to recruiting. I'll really have a stronger take on Josh Heupel's long term success when we get past National Signing Day, maybe mm -hmm. February, because it's it's hard to see how well he's recruiting so far. I think Tennessee is like number twenty eight on on two four seven Sports right now with their class. 
that's not going to cut it uh, long term. You you got to get better than that. You got to th- this season is a little more passable because you don't have the long term relationships with any of these kids that you need uh, to be able to to get big splash recruits a lot of the time. Uh, but next season, I mean, the expectations got to be top fifteen minimum, top ten class, hopefully. Because even I mean, Jeremy Pruitt, a bumbling idiot, got a top ten class. Uh, you know, Butch Jones, he paid for it in multiple ways. He, it cost That's him his true. job and $12 million, but he also <laughs> literally paid for it. Right. That is true. That is true. But, uh, and but Butch Jones who didn't top five classes with that idiot. Uh, of course he, we found out later he was making promises to kids that he couldn't keep, but right. e- either way, uh, Tennessee has a history of elite recruiting and you got to get back to that. If you want to have this long-term success. So I don't, I'm I'm not sure on on that that lane exactly where he's going to go because I just got to see the evidence that he he can recruit. It's just that's the biggest. Well, and thing. I'm with I'm with John London. The portal is going to be just as important as recruiting for next year. Next yes. year, uh, as you're trying to establish what your identity is with Josh Heupel, that's where you go pick the veteran guys. And he had really good success in the portal this past year. Uh, Caleb Tremblay did not show up a bunch in the in the stats, but he added a lot of depth when it came to the defensive line. Uh, he's going to need more portal guys, maybe on the, the at defensive back. When you look at the, uh, Chase McGrath, I mean, outside of a missed kick before the end of the half against Florida, was really really reliable uh, for this team this year. And Javante Payton was uh, an outstanding add in the transfer portal. You know what's crazy, Charlie, about Javante Payton is he only had 16 catches this year. Does that, doesn't that seem weird that Javante Payton only had 16 catches, but six of them were touchdowns. <laughs> and so like, that's like, that's absurd. And he averaged almost 24 yards a catch. And so it's just crazy to take a guy like Payton uh, and, and, and be and Hinden hooker was a transfer from the previous coaching staff that you kind of got lucky with, but Hey, you, you turn him into something after Vatek thought he was kind of nothing. And so you have to give uh hypo credit for that, but, You've gotten examples in year one on the field, on the film of if you come here, it will help you and it will work out and you can put up some gaudy numbers on offense and on defense, you have opportunity to make big plays. Yeah. With, with the offense, I I just feel like it's a no brainer. I could understand with quarterbacks where you look and you kind of go, that's not a system that is going to be great at helping me get prepared for the for the pros, I'm going to put up huge numbers and I'm going to look great. But I, you know, an NFL scout can kind of see through that and go like, it was a very simplified. Well, that's um, right. Drew Locks is a good and, example. Drew Locks yes. was at Mizzou, at Mizzou and put up crazy numbers with Josh Heupel. Josh Heupel leaves. Dooley comes in as the offensive coordinator. And when Locke got drafted, he actually said that Derek Dooley helped him get prepared for an NFL offense because Dooley was with Dallas for several years. But yeah. again, Drew Locks not like superb and he hasn't done anything in Denver. But but outside of the quarterback, which I think it almost I don't want to say it doesn't matter who who the quarterback is, but this system is so catered towards being kind to quarterbacks. Like you don't have to have an absolute killer to to make a quarterback work in this system. But as far as like the skill players go, the offensive line here, you're going to have a chance to absolutely shine, uh, especially obviously the the skill positions. They're going to get the ball to you a ton. You're going to run 80 plays a game. You're going to have so many opportunities. Josh Heupel loves to to spread out, uh, spread the wealth, um, mm-hmm. and and just get it to you know you had you had Velas 
Uh, yeah, Jalen, Jalen Hyatt. Yeah, Javante Payton, who you already said. Like there were so many, uh, and then not even mentioning Cedric Tillman, <laughs> and and like you look at all of those guys, and you go, they all had sort of standout years in their own ways, and that's not even everybody on the offense that did have a standout year this season. It's the the proof is in the pudding. Now at the defense, I think you look and you go like. I'm going to go there and definitely get a chance to make plays. I, I'm going to be on the field for <laughs> 90 plays a game. <laughs> so sure, I'll have a ton of tackles. Uh, but it's also, it's a system that you know you're going to get your head beat in a lot of the, the time, yeah, just yeah. out of the, the pure nature. But I, I on on the whole with that situation, I think Heupel has a lot of great things to sell after this season. And that's amazing. And hopefully he can capitalize on it. And Ju- Juco's, that's got to be, that's got to be the place. That's where yeah. you have to win in this offseason. Go raid the transfer portal uh, and and the JUCO system, and let let's go from there. I, I think as of right now, uh, fe- feeling good about the future. Yeah. I, I would put it that way. Simply, so I haven't really gotten to my answer yet, but I will. Cody says the biggest questions are one Hooker's decision. I also will add, I'll add Cedric Tillman and Hinden Hooker's decisions together because Cedric Tillman absolutely has one to make. He's 69 yards short of a nice thousand yard season with nine touchdowns averaging, you know, a 16 per, uh, per catch there. He's been an absolute stud and can play on the next level. Uh, then does Tim Banks or two recruiting from Cody three, does Tim Banks take the Duke job, uh, which he might be up for. And, and who knows what other jobs might come open because the domino effect of this coaching carousel is far from over. Right. I mean, once, Oklahoma's got to hire somebody. Notre Dame's got to hire somebody. They're going to hire maybe sitting head coaches, which creates more opportunities. And that, that just continues to funnel up uh, when it comes to coaches. And then four, does the SEC adjust to Heupel's offense? And I think that last one is pretty uh, uh, important there too, because you can't simulate it in practice. It's moving so fast that you can't keep up. It's catching you off guard. Even Nick Saban struggled with that. His players with Bama's defense, even Georgia did at times. Uh, and so it, it's, you know, that, that's an unknown there. So my expectations for Josh Heupel moving forward is you have to win the games you won this year, right? You win your cupcake non-conferences and you win the bottom of the SEC East. South Carolina, Missouri got a lot better towards the end of the year than when Tennessee demolished them earlier. Vandy and Kentucky, you, you, those four games should be four wins every year. And oh, all right, quick timeout soapbox. What is Kentucky doing? I, extending Mark Stoops' contract is one thing and something they should absolutely do. But adding an extra year to Mark Stoops' contract for every time he has seven wins is not what Kentucky should be doing. Kentucky should make that at least eight. Like, if you want to take that seriously, it's going to be at least eight year, eight wins for that extra year, not seven, because that's, that's a losing record in the SEC. I don't know if any Kentucky fans... I'm creating a straw man when I say this because I don't know if there are any Kentucky fans that actually feel this way. But any Kentucky fans that say something like, "Like why, why not us? We we can do that too." Uh, not if that's a standard. No, that's not how that works. Seven wins and you get an extension. Uh, no, that's why. That's so exactly saying, why you saying, can't do that. <laughs> who is Kentucky's uh, SEC West opponent? Mississippi State. Yeah, I believe so. Yep. So, so they got to beat Vandy, Mississippi State, maybe South Carolina, Missouri, and there you go. Like that's three of those four in your seven wins because you play Louisville in the non-conference and nobody else, right? So, like that's just anyway. Moving on from that, so <laughs> I, I think Josh Heupel's got to win those four games plus his three non-conference cupcakes. 
You've got the rotator of Pitt. I think that's a win. So at, at the very least, there's eight, right? So you're saying win the games you won this past year, plus at Pitt, which is a very different team like we talked about with no Kenny Pickett. And then you got to get Florida or LSU. And I think you really have to get Florida next year while you can. And so I think it's real. I think a nine and three regular season is very realistic with losses to Alabama, Georgia, and at LSU. If that LSU game was in Neyland, maybe I think Tennessee can get a shot at LSU, but at Baton Rouge is a complete toss up. Even in Brian Kelly, I, I don't know what the fit for Brian Kelly is going to be. And we'll get into that here in a second. But it just feels like I saw a great tweet uh, that was a picture of Brian Kelly looking like him at Notre Dame. And the, the caption said, excuse me, sir, may I have a poor boy sandwich, please? And I'm just like, oh, God. Like, it's just such a weird, like, plucking him out of South Bend and putting him in Baton Rouge feels so strange. But I, I'm curious to see what it, they just fired at Ogeron, who was the perfect fit. So, you know, you know, it, it can work both ways, I guess. I I think with that hire, I, I could not agree more. It seems very strange. It seems like LSU maybe whiffed on a couple of guys, and then they went, "Uh, who who could we actually get? Here's a hundred million dollars, Brian Kelly. Please come down." Like they just sort of panicked, and and because it's it is really strange. Also, um, the the perfect fit hires. It, is that really a thing? That's that great. Or Ordron, he wins a national title, but otherwise is a clown. Uh, at at uh, who who else has kind of been in? You know, that you vein? know who felt like a perfect culture fit. Derek Dooley being hired by Tennessee, that felt. Now I'm not talking. I'm talking about culture. I'm talking about style of, of yeah. personality. That was a great personality culture fit for Tennessee. <laughs> now Derek Dooley was a losing head coach at Law Tech and was an absolute. Uh, he was in over his head to say the least, but that, but culture wise, it fit. I I'm just very much of the opinion of like, you just hire a winner. That's, that's it. I, I don't even necessarily care if they're a cultural fit. I mean, I don't think Nick Saban's a cultural fit in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. He's, no, he's not. I mean, he, he is a guy that actually, I don't know if people really know this. He is a guy that's from like backwoods, West Virginia. Um, and then went to Kent state for college and, yep. you know, but he, he's not a big city slicker or anything like that. Um, and he just, he's an amazing football coach and he makes it work. Like that's the entire thing. I don't think you have to be, um, the, the perfect fit to make it work if you're a great football coach, but Brian, I, I, I don't know, Brian Kelly, that's, it's strange. I'm very interested to see how it goes. Cause I feel like it could go three years. He wins a national title because he is just kind of a, a cutthroat do whatever you got to do to win football games i mean i think he's sort of proved that out he didn't he kill a kid um and nobody well, not, talks not about that. it i mean with the the uh what was it the the video stand during a crazy storm that got knocked over and, and the 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 grad assistant or whoever it was up, up top died from fall from the fall yeah, yeah I, I guess i i won't say i won't say the heat <laughs> I mean, but he was, he put, uh, he put, uh, put a grad assistant in, in dangerous, in a literally life threatening situation. Yes. And that, that unfortunately it, lost his life. Yes. That, that ended with uh, somebody's death, but point, point being, and, and look at the way that he left Notre Dame. Like he's just kind of a cold, uncaring, gonna do what I got to do to win football games, kind of a guy. And maybe that works or it just is an absolute disaster. I, I could see it really going 
both ways and just blowing up in his face. I kind of, because it's not Tennessee, I hope it's the second one. Um, no offense to LSU or any LSU fans that might be watching, but, uh, you know, he's he's not a Tennessee, so I hope that Tennessee wins in, in uh, Baton Rouge next year and it all falls apart. Uh, but it is, it, it's strange and it's particularly strange because, and this is sort of where we're leading with this conversation, mm-hmm. it's really Brian Kelly just admitting, I'm at a program where I cannot win a national title. Yeah. He just goes, I can't, I cannot do it here. I get there and I do not have the caliber of players to match these guys because they do not come to Notre Dame. And then I get my butt kicked in the playoff. The The only reason I make the playoff is because I play in a league where I play a bunch of soft teams. And so he's going to go to LSU and try to win a national title because that's obviously a school where you can win and you can win quickly. And with a great set of players and recruiting is easy because the best recruits in America are on all sides of you and five miles down the road. So I, there's a whole conversation to be had there about the state of college football, what exactly that means, what can even be done to quote unquote, fix that. If it's yeah, even well, fixable. Yeah. Let's, um, I mean, let's talk about it. So, so we've got Brian Kelly's move to LSU and, and what it means for college football's biggest flaw. So we'll dive deeper into that, but real quick, let me tell you guys uh, about Wilson County Hyundai, wilsoncountyhyundai.com. That is where to go uh, to be, make them a part of your, car buying process it is honestly really tough in the car buying uh industry right now but you need to trust somebody and Payne bone and his team can be that for you so head to wilson county hyundai in lebanon an easy drive out there ball country out there in lebanon too but wilsoncountyhyundai.com go see them if they haven't a lot they can help you get it to your house if they don't have a lot they can go help you find it and find what you're looking for at wilsoncountyhyundai.com and download the BetMGM app, the king of sportsbooks. If you use code ATOZ Sports when you sign up, after your first deposit, your first bet is risk free up to $1,000. That's code ATOZ Sports, A to Z Sports, for a risk free bet up to $1,000 after your first deposit on BetMGM. Go download it. All right. So, what, what you're talking about is that there is a massive flaw in college football it's the fact that only a handful of programs actually have a legitimate chance to win uh, the a national championship. And Brian Kelly, as you were just stating, I'll let you kind of reiterate it. Uh, as you were just stating, uh, doesn't think Notre Dame is one of those programs. And Notre Dame is one of the most prestigious programs over the last 50 plus years. But over the last, you know, 15, it can't get it done. And especially in the new age college football, Notre Dame can't get it done. The most elite recruits in America, this is an overgeneralization, but they basically all live in two areas. They live in like Southern California and that's USC uh, takes most of those guys. Uh, Some of them come over here. Um, And then Texas, Florida, uh, some in Alabama, some in Georgia, a couple out of Tennessee. But for the most part, I mean, it's it's Texas, it's Florida, some in Louisiana, around New Orleans and things like that. Um, and so if you are not around those areas, you have a tough time getting those recruits because you're basically coming and trying to horn in on territory that other teams already have a geographical claim to, essentially. Um, and... It's it's really that 
fact that is that is driving this i think you you look notre dame in the middle of the freezing cold nowhere in indiana and yes it's a prestigious program that won a ton back in the olden days when you wore leather helmets that's great and then they had some some good years uh in in the 80s and they've been perennially powerful but in the current landscape the way that it is shaking out like i said with sort of geographical dominance they're losing out and i don't know how you fix that because I think it's this simple. This is why everybody wants to be uh, in in the SEC. Uh, it, it's because it's all it's all here. This well, is yeah, where, right. this is where college football is. The SEC is college football. the The ACC is close and and in the same same region. Obviously, got teams in in Florida and, and places like that. But just you you look at at the the underlying factors behind the problem. And and I don't know where you, where you go from here, even though we all look at it and we say, that's a problem. I mean, what do you even do? So you have to expand the playoff. I, I that's, that's one way to fix it. Now I, I'm going to, we're going to get into this a little bit deeper, but you, you mentioned the sec and that's why like Texas A&M was sitting in the middle of Texas, which is one of those recruiting hot med states. But Texas A&M had nothing to differentiate itself from Texas and from Oklahoma. And so by, by A&M joining the SEC, it was, we are different. We, we play in the best conference at A&M where Texas and Oklahoma probably ranked ahead of most recruits or foremost recruits there. So now Oklahoma and Texas are joining. Uh, you know, I don't know what it's going to look like down the road when it comes to more uh, split from the NCAA and, and recategorization of power five football, but it's going to happen at some point. But in my opinion is that you got to expand the playoff because now you open the door more for other programs to at least have hope in the NFL. The reason why the NFL works is because you've got hope and you have hope in two different ways. Either your team is contending for a playoff spot, which can help you grow, 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 or your team sucks so bad, you're going to get the top draft picks and you're going to have an opportunity to grow, grow, grow from there. But in the NFL, I'm sorry, in college football, it's not that. If you're the elite, you just keep getting more elite and separate yourself from everybody else because there's no draft. It's all recruiting. If you suck in college football, you're going to continue to suck unless you just throw $100 million at it, which is not realistic for the people who suck. <laughs> and so you're just going to keep sucking. And you're not, you can't get out of that hole. And so, but if you expand the playoff, now you've got the teams that maybe don't suck, but you've got the teams like Tennessee, Ole Miss, Mississippi State that are kind of middle of the road, Auburn. At t- for now that are kind of in the middle of the road there to, they can have an opportunity to grow up but, and to develop into a higher prestige to join Alabama, Georgia and the other college football playoff teams that we've had over the last seven, eight years. I mean, just, just think about how flawed this, this system is Spe- speaking, actually taking it away from recruiting and speaking specifically of the playoff where essentially you go, I, 
I lost this game this week, and it's my first loss of the season. I am out of contention for a national championship. Right. And that's like all Power 5 schools, unless you're, you know, some of these powerful guys in the SEC that you know you're going to win out. You can basically say, I had my first loss. I am done. Yeah. And, and like, what? That sucks. That's because it just kills any kind of enthusiasm motivation in that way for, for a national championship. A bowl game is nice, but it's not a national championship. Not even close, not even an approximation. Uh, it's a nothing compared to a national championship, frankly, uh, even though it looks nice on a resume. Um, and so if you give more teams an, a true chance to compete and a, a place, I think Tennessee is a great example because it is middling, but has, I think it has more than enough resources uh, to to eventually get to that point where you have elite players that can take you to a national championship. Mm-hmm. Tennessee can get into that top 12, top 16, whatever it may be after expansion, and you go, we have a shot. We can get in there, and we can get into the whatever, the 4-5 game, and it, we'll have a chance to move on to the next round, and if we get to that round, who knows what could happen when we play X team in that second round, and then it's the semifinals. like. Crazy stuff can happen, and if way more teams have the ability to truly have an inroad to a national championship beyond being picked by a computer or an arbitrary group of people that you know sit behind a, a computer screen and and never get held accountable for their choices, right? Um, I I think that that's it's incredible. I I I don't know why it took this long. Why it took basically the playoff being completely exposed I, as a stupid it. system. Well, I've, I've got it. And so let's dive into this because I, you know, I've, I got, I know why we're here. Like I I've figured it out and I haven't talked about it publicly on a show yet. So I'm kind of excited. <laughs> I get a chance to, to kind of my, my Eureka moment. Okay. So Ethan says uh, it, it needs to be expanded, but I'm worried the first round would be a boat race. So I'll, I'll get into that too. So we'll ask you guys this question. It's a pretty simple question. Are you for or against the college football playoff expanding to 12 teams because I've also got the graphic uh, that will that shows you what that 12 team playoff would look like uh, this year uh, if that was going to happen. So we'll get to that here in a second. But first, I'm going to tell you guys about the Bone and Joint Institute, boneandjointtn.org, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care. Whenever an injury happens in life, which sucks, but that's what happens, you get hurt doing things you shouldn't or doing things that are normal. You get hurt and you got to make sure you know who to go to who you can trust with your recovery, streamline that process to recovery. And that's the Bone and Joint Institute in Franklin, Tennessee. Again, boneandjointtn.org. And download the BetMGM app, the king of sportsbooks. Use code ATOZ Sports. And when you do, after your first deposit, your first bet is risk free up to $1,000. Again, code ATOZ Sports, A to Z Sports, for a risk free bet up to 1000 bucks after your first deposit on BetMGM. Yep. Visit BenMGM.com for terms and conditions. You must be 21 years old or must be president of Tennessee for gambling problem support. Charlie, call that red the hotline at 1-800-889-9789. As uh, uh, Charlie's dive headfirst into I'm the sports betting in. world. Yeah, open up that, get that face ID going and everything. Okay. So here's here's what happened. Here's And we'll get to the 12-team 12 12 playoff in a second. Here's how we got where we are. Because ironically, if you think about it, a four-team playoff, gives teams more chances than a two-game BCS National Championship. So you would think by numbers that 
uh, four teams having a chance makes it better for the sport than two teams. But it actually didn't. Because what the four-game playoff did, in my opinion, is it diminished what the Outback Bowl is. It diminished what the Rose Bowl is. What the Sugar Bowl, the Peach Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, any bowl that's not a college football semifinal has been significantly diminished. And so that's where things have changed is that it doesn't matter. Like somebody was asking me the other day, it's like, oh, what bowl would I prefer Tennessee to go to? I don't care. Like it doesn't matter. Like the, the bowl that I want them to go to is the one that's the most convenient for my schedule. Like because there's no difference in the Outback Bowl, the Gator Bowl, the Music City Bowl, the Duke Mayo Bowl, the Liberty Bowl. All five of those bowls, the same damn thing. It is one of them plays on New Year's Day that actually I don't want to have happen. I want either the one of the ones in the week because it benefits me to have it on a weekday because I get to react to it the next morning. And so like that's that's how I think now. It doesn't matter. There's no difference. And so if you win that bowl game, whoop de do eight, eight and five in, in year one for Josh Heupel is huge. But again, it doesn't matter. So you have to expand the playoff because it does open that up to where now you're talking about the top 16 or 20 teams down in the month of November who are positioning themselves to figure out where they might land instead of the top six. So it, it I'll, I'll show this. I'll let you react. How do you feel about my theory about why the playoff has happened the way it's happened? I couldn't agree more. I, I think, I think you're, you're exactly right. It It's made every bowl game even more meaningless than it was before. Um, and and I think a huge part of it is that it's now created a feedback loop. There there were there were a set of powerful teams at the beginning of the playoff, and they have stayed powerful. Yeah, because it's just created this feedback loop with recruits, where it's like these are the only schools that compete for national championships, so they get all the recruits, and now they only have all of the the giant recruits, and so they compete for national championships, and it's just mm-hmm. this circular thing where Al- Alabama. There is a reason; it is no coincidence. And and it's not just like Saban is great. He would compete anyway, but it's no coincidence that Clemson and Alabama has stayed a theme through the playoff the entire time. Uh, it's because they were great at the beginning and they, you know, they can just say to recruit, Hey, we've been to the playoff. We've done, we we're going to go back. And so they just, that's where they're going to go because right. it's the, it's really, it's one of four schools where they can get into insurance like that as a, as a recruit. Um, so it's, it's like it's a Michigan combination. State basketball. If you go to Michigan State, you're guaranteed to make one Final Four. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, there there are just some things in in college sports like that where you can be assured. Uh, and and you know, if you go play for Nick Saban, you're going to win a national championship. If you play at Ohio State, Clemson, uh, Oklahoma, uh, who else? That's really the bulk of it. That's that's really it. If you played at any of those schools, you might not win a national championship. But you're going to at least make the playoff and you're yes. going to be there and you're going to be able to compete. So why not expand that field? And then you can have more coaches being able to say things like, hey, let's go to the playoff and win a national championship. Because as long as we're in the top 16, we're going to be able to make top 20. We're going to be able to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it, why why do we see so much parity in, in college basketball? There's a lot of factors there. But I mean, that tournament. Butler can make the national championship game. George Mason can make it to a final four. You get these magical runs and, and you go, I can, 
this is true in college football. You can basically go anywhere and the NFL is going to find you if you're good enough. Right. It's the same in the, you know, in college basketball. If you're good enough, the NBA is going to find you. But if you want to win a championship in college basketball, you can go a whole bunch of different places and win a national championship. In college football, you better go to Alabama or Clemson or else you're not getting one. Right. So, and, yeah. And so back to Ethan Ramsey's comment about saying uh, that the, the first round, they're going to be blowouts. Absolutely. And, sure. and unfortunately, like you have to, you have to get through a few years of bloodbath to fix the problem. And I, I've said this before is I can't remember the stuff off the top of my head, but I, I want to say in seven years of college football playoff, which means there are 21 games in seven years, only three games, I think, have been decided by single digits. And one overtime game, which was that Rose Bowl between Georgia and Oklahoma. So, so 18 games of 21 have been decided by two touchdowns or more, really. And really, it's a lot more than that. So there are already blowouts. So... And you, you'll you, eventually you'll eventually get upsets. I mean, yes. that's that will eventually happen. I mean, just, just look at this bracket. This would be yes. mayhem. It would uh, be absolute mayhem. And yeah. It, and it would be, uh, I mean, I think it would be a lot of fun. But again, now, so Charlie, you are all for college football playoff expansion. This is what it would look like. Could not if, be more for it, yeah. If, if they did expand. You got uh, one Georgia there playing the winner of Ole Miss, Baylor, you know, Oklahoma State playing with BYU. I didn't even realize BYU was 12th. <laughs> but uh, you'd have Oklahoma State, BYU to play Cincinnati. You know, Notre Dame, Michigan State, which feels like a great matchup, would would play uh, Alabama. And then you've got Ohio State uh, and Oregon. Uh, winner plays Michigan. So you're setting up some good second-round matchups there that set up a great Final Four. So this looks sexy. But here's my biggest problem with this, Charlie is last weekend doesn't mean as much. And last weekend was badass, right? Because you, you got Oklahoma uh, and Oklahoma state, you got Michigan, Ohio state, you got the iron bowl. Bedlam was, I mean, I already mentioned Bedlam, but that was crazy. Like, so last weekend, which is rivalry week and the biggest, baddest like matchups of college football weekend it doesn't mean as much because it's not like, like oh, Michigan knocked Ohio state out Oklahoma state knocked Oklahoma out and Lincoln Riley lost went the went left. Like if Oklahoma wins that game, does Lincoln Riley hang around for another month? Yeah. And so you're, you're hurting one of the best things in college football, but unfortunately I think you have to do it anyway. Like, that, for that's the betterment. That, yeah, there, there's no there's no perfect way. You're gonna have to. It's it's kind of like how if if you're going to expand these conferences and sort of get get rid of the influence of the NCAA, which is what all of these big leagues are doing. They're they're trying to become mega leagues, and then they're gonna say to the NCAA, "Take a hike. We don't need you anymore." I mean that that's where you're moving. To do that, you're gonna have to shave off like some classic rivalries and some things like that. It just is. It's well, the way that it, still, it's the way that it has have, to go. You would still have those games. They just don't mean as much. Sure. And, and so that's in, in this case, the, the games are still going to happen, but you are definitely correct. They, they aren't going to mean as much, but in, in a couple of weeks, you're going to have an entire bevy of far more meaningful games 
they aren't classic matchups like the Iron Bowl and things like that, but you're going to get a game between, I mean, what was it in that one? Ohio State and Oregon, which is a rematch from earlier in this this season where right. Oregon shocked Ohio State. And and it's going to be mass. I mean, it's with a national championship on the line. And and that's even cooler to me. I I just personally, I would rather see that than just have the Iron Bowl mean okay well the you know if, if alabama had lost okay alabama's out out of the playoff all great that, that's shot, exciting right? but like whoop de do like Auburn's season under brian harson first year coach to be able to come in there and ruin alabama like that is an, a massive situation and eric says he goes i think the last week still matters because the conference title still means something uh but again like you know i just there's an extra weight you, you might have to I don't know if you expanded the playoff considerably, you might have to do away with conference championship games. That's a whole other conversation. Um, and, and you would just, everything, everything would come down to that top 15 ranking. But you're not, you're not wrong. And that's, and you know, we'd have to do some more like, you know, uh, workshopping on that because for example, like the year that Auburn, won the West, Georgia won the East, Alabama went to the playoff without winning the West because Georgia beat Auburn right now. So now Auburn had an extra loss on its schedule. And so Auburn's punished by winning the West and Alabama is, you know, helped by not winning the West. Right. Uh, Yeah. that's That's not like a super common thing, but it happens. It does. And I, I mean, there there are merits to both. I guess I just weigh everything, and I would prefer the the playoff system. And I know there there are more traditionalists that would go, "Oh, I I want to see those those games be as meaningful as possible. Those classic rivalries be as meaningful as possible." I I get it. I fair enough. But I just think the the way of the world to make college football better. And make it uh, have to to have more parity in the game, and to make the playing field a little more level outside of just the Southeast and Southern California, as I mentioned earlier. You just you're gonna have to do some things like this. You got to give some teams more chances because college football is just eating itself yeah. right now. It's it's all it's dying at the hands of Nick Saban. Frankly, I mean he's he's one of the greatest things to ever happen to college football, and currently one of the worst. Uh, yeah. because it's he he makes the entire season a snooze where you just go okay well that's here's your national championship there's a little more intrigue this season because finally Kirby has got gotten over the hump well I guess we'll we'll see this weekend yeah but uh a little more intrigue this season but just on the whole it's just okay it's Clemson okay it's Alabama we get it that's you know hey great and I think you just you have to do something like this it's coming there. I don't know what they'll do, but I would believe that this conversation is going on behind closed doors in the, in the halls of power in college football. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Charlie, you ready for throwing shade? It's our, it's your first shot oh, yeah. at throwing shade. I know you're pretty hyped about it. So let's go ahead and wrap up this Wednesday show. Like we do uh, every Wednesday with throwing shade, but real quick, let me tell you guys about renters warehouse and RentersWarehouse.com, the professional landlords in the Nashville area. Simply go to RentersWarehouse.com to find out how much your home can rent for. There's several ways that Renters Warehouse can help you out, uh, whether it's creating extra cash flow for you and your family. Also, they help you out uh, by making that retirement plan ready. So you don't have to sell your home when you move. You can. You don't have to. You can rent it out and get 
a lot more money, a lot more equity and, and, and build wealth through rent estate and have renters warehouse do all of the work. So simply go to renterswarehouse.com. And make sure you download the bet MGM app, the King of sports books code, a to Z sports, a T O Z sports. Uh, when you use that promo code, after you download the app, uh, after your first deposit, your first bet is risk-free up to $1,000. That's code ATOZ sports for a risk-free bet. Up to $1,000 after your first deposit on BetMGM. All right, it is time for throwing shade on this Wednesday. All right, cool. Charlie, uh, I, I think I'm going to let you go first. Jeff says he got his shade. So Jeff usually types out like a novel, like a five, <laughs> you know, like when you're in grade school and you learn how to write like five paragraph essays. That's what Jeff does for his shade every week. So, uh, now Ed asked, do you prefer the fans of the show use YouTube or Facebook? Um, honestly, I think YouTube's the cleanest, um, and YouTube's the most user friendly, but you know, whatever floats your boat there, Ed, but, uh, YouTube or Facebook, um, you know, that's, that's all good there. So Charlie, I will let you start off with your shade since it's your first time. My shade, uh, has has some recency bias to it uh, because of just the events that have unfolded this week. This is not a group that I have clashed with much. But I got to throw shade uh, at Oklahoma fans. Mm. What a meltdown this week. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of thought they, they signed up for the SEC, and I thought this is a great addition for the SEC. What a, what a powerful, proud program that we're bringing in. It's just going to bolster the league even more and i don't think that i realized that their fans had just gotten kind of fat and happy and complacent and they thought this gravy train is rolling forever boy and now we're going to the sec it's only going to get better and suddenly lincoln riley leaves and they are weeping and gnashing teeth and of course we're we're all all of us are hemming and hawing and having a great time at their expense as everyone has done for Tennessee for the last 20 years mm-hmm. uh everyone mocking us and coming at us and Tennessee is a joke and look at what Tennessee did this time look at their fans they're this and this and that you know Dan Wolk and Pat 40 writing their long think piece columns about how Tennessee fans are a degenerate group of of backwoods losers and and suddenly Oklahoma's having to take a little bit of that heat, and their fans cannot handle it. They they it's so clear that they have never, at least I don't know about never. They they have stunk at times, but not anywhere close to the recent past have they had this kind of a meltdown, these kinds of problems where a coach leaves, take takes a bunch of recruits and players with him, uh, and then uh, you know they're they're stuck in this lurch. Uh, Welcome to the club. Yeah, it's it's fun, isn't it? It's it's great. You you've just been sitting over there on on your little makeshift throne, thinking that you're you're going to be doing this forever, making fun of Tennessee fans when we go through the crap and and taking you know, and last year taking like half of the players that transferred from Tennessee. Uh, I'm sure that was no coincidence. You know, nothing shady was going on there. Um, <laughs> and suddenly, Oklahoma fans are just, oh, you can't, how you how dare you say that about us? We're Oklahoma. We've been relevant. You know when Oklahoma won their last national championship? 2000. You know when Tennessee won theirs? 1998. Two years difference. And Oklahoma <laughs> fans are like, oh, we're, Oklahoma's been relevant. Oh, so relevant that you just went to the playoff and you get your head beat in. That's great. You know who else gets their head beat in by Alabama every year? 
Tennessee. So just shut it. Nobody cares. Nobody feels bad for you. It doesn't matter to anyone else outside of Norman, Oklahoma. We're going to make fun of you. Get used to it. Welcome to the SEC, Oklahoma. And that is who I'm throwing shade at. Nice. Nice. <laughs> they, they, they haven't had any, they haven't had to deal with this because no, <laughs> like Tennessee's had, Tennessee is so used to coaching changes that it, it's, you know, it's just become like a, you know, every three or four year type of thing. You know, Lincoln Riley was going to be the guy who was going to be there for as long as Bob Stoops was there. Bob Stoops was there for like 17, 18 seasons. And then before that, you know, they had like a, a few coaches in the 90s when they turn over. But then Barry Switzer was at Oklahoma for 16 years. And so like you go back to 1973 and Oklahoma's had as many coaches as the balls have had since like Phil Fulmer left. And so like <laughs> they're not used to having to do this and they haven't done it in over 20 years. And so welcome to new college football where when a coach leaves, they sack you. They raid everything in your program. They take every assistant. They take every grad assistant, every player development guy, uh, every recruit. They take guys in the transfer now. They take it all. That's how it works because they just got hired for a new job and they want to go be successful at their new job. So welcome to college football in the modern age, Oklahoma. Very, very good shade there from you, Charlie. I appreciate it. That that was fun. I mean, this is that's my forte. I love I love making fun of other uh, pe- people who are suffering like Tennessee has. So sorry, exactly. Oklahoma. You're just in the crosshairs this time. Exactly. So my shade is on something that I rely upon way too much. These AirPods. I wear these AirPods probably ten to twelve hours a day, and 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 that's not a good thing. I'm not proud of that, but that's just how I operate. Right. Because I listen to podcasts. I take my phone calls and meetings on these AirPods, but these AirPods are driving me crazy. And I don't know if there was a new update or something, but over the last two weeks, last two weeks, every time I'm using my AirPods on my phone and then I open my computer, it automatically defaults to my computer. And so I'll be talking, like I was talking to Charlie this morning, pre-show uh, conversation, and my computer switched to my AirPods. And I don't want that to happen because now I miss what Charlie was saying for the last 10 seconds. Happens when I'm talking on the phone to my wife or talking to Zach or talking to whoever I'm talking to. It's I don't want my AirPods on my computer unless I tell my AirPods that I want them on my computer. It's I don't want this to happen. So I really wish... AirPods would stop jumping around and hip hopping all over the place and stay AirPods, phone, phone, AirPods, computer, no AirPods. That is my shade because it's driving me insane. It's technology so smart that it's stupid. Yes, it's too uh, smart. I, I am. I'm absolutely with you. My my day job is is a desk job. Uh, and so I have uh, Bluetooth headphones in uh, all day long. I know that that pain. Yeah, you, you got to, I guess, really, you could you could say, oh, well, you need to disconnect the Bluetooth from the computer. No, how how about it just, because that's dumb. I don't want to reconnect the Bluetooth every time I every open time. my computer. That's stupid. Because it's all Let's synced together. This. It's all synced together yeah. because my computer, the AirPods, and my phone are all the same. Sometimes it would happen with the damn iPad. And, like, you know, we listen, we have noise on the iPad when we sleep at night. So sometimes I would be working in the morning while my wife is still sleeping and I have my AirPods in. Now all of a sudden I'm hearing rainforest sounds and not what I was listening to. I'm like, what the hell is happening? With my damn AirPods. 
So anyway, that's my shade. That's my shade. But Good stuff. Anyway, Charlie, thanks a bunch again for hopping on here. Uh, appreciate the, the work you guys have been doing. You and Zach Reagan have been crushing it all season long. If you haven't listened, the new episode, the big orange podcast came out Monday afternoon. So go check it out. I listened to it yesterday. It's a great listen as always. And especially as college basketball gets continued to ramp up balls with a big, like 42 point win uh, last night over, uh, the blue hose of Presbyterian, but uh, a lot of good stuff coming from Charlie and Zach Reagan throughout uh, the rest of the year and into the basketball season. Plus whenever Tennessee has that bowl game, Charlie and Jonathan Crompton will have uh, that live coverage for you as well. So Charlie, thanks again. Have a good rest of the day to everybody. And we'll see you guys tomorrow morning.